Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Why Not Us podcast edition, the NFL episode here on Spotify. My name is Adam Glick. I'm joined tonight by Josh Spade and Mason Gross, a wonderful crew to kick off week five of the NFL. We just had an incredible Thursday night game, Rams and Seahawks, that we'll get into just in a bit. But first, how are you guys doing here on this beautiful Thursday night? We are doing great. We've got a special guest here on Why Not Us this edition. We are going to interview the star of tonight's game, Geno Smith. (laughs) Totally kidding. We don't have the funding yet, unless you guys donate. But great start to the week and looking forward to a great slate this weekend. Yeah, so am I. I actually got excited there. I had no idea Gino was here. I was going to ask him about the time that his jaw got broken in the locker room by a teammate during a fist fight. But you know what? Maybe another time. Uh, Things are all good. Looking forward to another great slate. Obviously, we got Texas OU on Saturday, but that's on the college football pod. And then Browns Chargers on Sunday, arguably a bigger rivalry considering the uh, hosts of this pod. So we'll definitely talk about that and other games, but always excited for some good football over the weekend. Yes, indeed. The Why Not Us Network will be going head-to-head on Sunday. And obviously, check out our college football podcast where we previewed the Texas OU game and a lot of, lot of other key games happening this weekend. But for this show, let's first start off with the Thursday night game. It was not an incredible game, but it was still a very good football game between two really good teams in the NFC West, the Rams and the Seahawks. The Rams winning this one by a score of 26-17. to 17. Matthew Stafford doing just enough to get the job done and the defense really shining in this one. But the storyline here was Russell Wilson getting hurt in that second half, kind of bringing on Geno Smith into this game and kind of making the Seahawks chances go from about 50-50 to probably 10-90 in my opinion. But he did pretty well, honestly. And so I just want to get your guys' opinions. What do you make of the Rams after this big win? And are you putting a lot of you know, into tonight on the Seahawks loss, even though Russell Wilson got hurt. Well, I want to say this about Seattle. There were three drives in the second half with Russell Wilson, and I think they had a total of like seven yards or so. And then Geno Smith came in, and then in those two drives, he had like 144. So the game was lost, not because Russell Wilson got hurt. The game was lost because the Seattle defense can't stop a living being. Geno Smith did fine, but this is not the same Seattle team that we've been accustomed to seeing throughout the 2010s. The offense historically has been able to make up for this lackluster defense, but that's not the case this year for whatever reason. Russell Wilson is still an elite quarterback. You've got two dynamic wide receivers in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They've got no running game to be seen, but that's per usual with Seattle. They've been struggling with that ever since Marshawn Lynch left. But I don't really know what is going on. I don't know if there's just miscommunications between the coaches and Russell Wilson. I don't know why this team isn't scoring the same way we're accustomed to. On the other side of the ball, the Rams, they played a great game on offense. They are showing that they could be the greatest show on turf yet again with Matt Stafford at the helm. He threw for over 360 yards this game. Very impressive. And they got Robert Woods involved. Finally, 12 catches for 150 yards. Welcome back, Robert Woods. But I am a little bit concerned about the Rams' defense if they are going to be Super Bowl contenders. And that is because they allowed Geno Smith to go on a 98-yard drive. 
Super Bowl contending defenses don't allow backup quarterbacks named Geno Smith, who have more interceptions than touchdowns in their entire career, to go on 98-yard drives in the second half. So I'm a little bit concerned about this defense. I don't know about you guys, but the Rams are going to have to get that figured out if they are going to be a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I agree with a lot of the points that you made, but I think the focus is in two very specific areas here. First off, the Seahawks defense isn't great. I'm not going to contest that, but they did play decently well. They held the Rams very well in the first half. Rams couldn't really move the ball, but then again, Seattle couldn't either. This game definitely opened up a lot more in the second half, which unfortunately was when Russell Wilson went down. I think in general, the Seattle offense is really the concern here. Adam and I, in our recap, I went through all of their drives in their game last week, and they had almost only three and outs with the exception of their touchdown drives, which was a really interesting disparity. But this team in general just seems like it's had the same pieces, but now it's not fully there. The run game definitely needs a lot of work. Not having Chris Carson tonight is going to hurt you. But then again, it seems like every single season, even if Chris Carson's getting absolutely jacked in the offseason on Instagram, he's still going to get hurt at some point. So I would assume that they've got a decent backfield. Alex Collins is okay. Something special. He's a backup running back. He gives back you respect, but he's not going to be the core running back on a contending team. You're right. But I mean, I can't, I can't chug it up to that. So obviously, you know, you're going to rely on Russell Wilson a lot. Usually if he can do what he can, if he can't, can't, he's still got the highest passer rating in the league going into this game. And then he gets injured. As you said, Aaron Donald absolutely wrecked his figure. Is able, is able to stay in the game even after that for a quarter and a half. Winds up coming out. And Geno Smith goes on that 98-yard drive, which honestly was impressive. Um, I'm not sure how much fault I can give the Rams defense considering they had not seen him. He did look pretty good on that drive. And then I thought the pick was questionable towards the end. But I don't know. This was this was a fun game. I personally think that the Seahawks and the, the Niners are kind of in a league at the bottom of the NFC West. And they'll contend for wild card spots because they can still pick up wins here and there. But the Rams and the Cardinals, five weeks or so, almost five weeks now in, are really making it clear that they are going to be the contenders in this division. Yeah, and I agree with both of your guys' points. I think Seattle, like you said, Josh, they're in a, a kind of a league below the Cardinals and the Rams. And I said this on last week's show that I think the Rams are legit Super Bowl contenders. They didn't play great tonight. I'm not going to lie about that, but... They got the job done. You go to Seattle. It's not an easy place to play. You get the win. That's what matters. And you move in to a 4-1 and one record and, you know, contesting the Arizona Cardinals at the top of the division. And for Seattle, though, you look at their first five games, they honestly, 2-3 and three is not surprising to me based on the first five teams that they've played. They've won the two games that they had to win. And the three games they lost, they're playing pretty good teams in Tennessee, at Minnesota, and then tonight against the Rams. So their next three games are against the Steelers, the Saints and the Jags. You win those three games, they're right back into things. They're five and three, and we'll see where they go. Obviously, they usually win all three of those games. Yeah, exactly. After that, we'll see. They have two tough games against the Packers and the Cardinals, but I'm still not going to throw my cards out on the Seattle team. As you said, Russell Wilson, still one of the best passer ratings in the NFL. He has Metcalf. He has Tyler Lockett. But as you guys said, I mean, you can't rely on Collins to be your running back. I know he's their backup, but you need Chris Carson to come back and be effective in the running game. So we will see with the Seahawks. For the Rams, I'm all in on them. I think they're going to be a really good team and contend for a Super Bowl later in the season. But we will see. 
Moving on to another big game, a surprising game. The Green Bay Packers, we know they're going to be a top team in the NFL. They're 3-1. and one. But another 3-1 and one team that they're playing this week, the Cincinnati Bengals. They are also 3-1, and one, and this game is in Cincinnati. The spread is only three points. A lot of interesting storylines in this game. But the thing to me that stands out, this is the kind of game, if the Bengals win, we have to start taking them seriously. But at the same time, are they going to win this kind of game? In my opinion, I don't think so. So we will see. And then obviously the big storyline for health concerns, Joe Mixon, the starting running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously he's been hurt the last couple of weeks. So is he going to play? And if he doesn't play, do the Bengals have even a tiny chance to win this game against the Packers? Yeah, this to me is another one of those somebody knows something games. The Bengals should have no business being a three-point underdog to the Packers with Samaje P. Ryan as your starting running back. That does not make a lot of sense to me. Odds makers must be showing a lot of respect to the Cincinnati Bengals defense as they've held all of their opponents under 24 game, under 24 points through week four, which is very impressive for a team that's been known for their offense. And Joe Burrow, he's been pretty solid this year. He's thrown for about 250 yards a game, nine touchdowns, four picks. And you've got a true three-headed monster receiver in Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins, as Higgins is projected to play this game. On paper, the Packers are so much better. They've been there, done that. And Rodgers, he has truly R-E-L-A-X-E-D. Ever since that first game, he's shown that he is – that MVP quarterback throwing for eight touchdowns and no interceptions. And the Packers have gone 3-0 and in those last three games. On paper, the Packers should dominate. But will they? I'm not so sure. What do you guys think? Honestly, I, I think this is one of those games where, yeah, the odds makers are looking at a lot going on here. They're looking at the fact that the Packers have had that one questionable game, and the Bengals, with the exception of their loss to the Bears, could otherwise be undefeated. But let me talk about why they could otherwise be undefeated. I have all the respect in the world for the Minnesota Vikings. They gave my Browns a scare last week, and they're a good team. But, I mean, the only reason why the Bengals won that game was kind of a a bad fumble by Dalvin Cook in overtime. They barely pulled out with a field goal. They could have easily lost that game, too. And the fact that you lost to the Bears, like, Docks my opinion of you. The Steelers and the Jags are not good. They look good in the Steelers game, but in the Jags game, they were lucky to come out with that. We talked about it in the recap, but I mean, they, they weren't leading for a second of that entire game. They won it at the buzzer. And it's just like, I don't know. This, this Bengals team has a lot to prove. This is definitely a prove it game because you're playing one of the most, we're playing one of the best teams in the NFL at home. If you can realistically hold the Packers offense, they're going to stick in this because the Packers defense is not very good and the Bengals offense is good. So it's definitely going to come down to that. But I really don't see it. It's, it's like, I mean, not having Joe Mixon is definitely going to hurt. Samaj P. Ryan is nothing special on a backup. And the Packers have been rolling. I have no reason to think that they don't easily win this game. Yeah, and I have to piggyback on what you guys are saying. I just don't think the Bengals are going to be able to score enough points to beat the Packers. You have to be able to put up points against the Packers. And the key with the Packers is you can't get down big early because Aaron Rodgers is so good with a lead. He's shown it the last three weeks. If you stick around, you hang in there, a possession game late, it starts to get interesting. I just don't think the Bengals have enough 
at its core, especially with Joe Mixon being out to produce a win this weekend. But listen, if they're able to win, I'm going to give them all the props in the world and they might be a legit team, but I just can't see it happening this weekend. I can't have that. I can't have the Bengals actually. Yeah, for your division. I can't. The Ravens can be the only team that the Browns are competing with right now. If the Bengals were able to pick off a game on the Browns because they're half decent, I'm going to be angry. Yeah, and hopefully you'll be more angry about my Chargers on Sunday. We will see. Let's move on to another game, another team that you do not like, Josh. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Denver Broncos. This is a very interesting game. I kind of feel like this game might be low scoring if I had to take a wild guess. Both these teams did not look good last week. Denver put up seven points against a very good Ravens defense. They lost 23 to seven. I believe. Yeah, 23 seven at home. And then the Steelers, they went to Green Bay and they laid, you know, they were basically rolled over right, right when the game started 27 17. And the score wasn't even as close as it really was. But I, I'm not high. We're not high on the show about the Steelers at all. I think Ben Roethlisberger is way past his prime. He has all the weapons in the world at receiver. And, you know, I'm not huge yet on Najee Harris. We'll see. But I just don't see the Steelers team doing much. And then on the other side, I think we talked about it, Josh, on Monday. I just, I think the Broncos are the fourth worst, the fourth best team in the AFC West. And I just don't think that they're that good of a team. But I think this is a game that they should win because I just don't have any confidence with the Steelers. What do you guys have going on for this game? I don't see how either team could win this game, honestly. <laughs> like, the Broncos are going with Drew Locke at quarterback, and the Steelers have been in such a free fall right now that Chase Claypool had to go into Twitter and tell people that he's a winner in life because he's not clearly a winner on the football <laughs> uh, And I do have respect for all that Mr. Claypool has done. Good for you. You graduated college. You bought your mama home. You're a true class act. But the Pittsburgh Steelers, let me tell you, they are not a class act right now. They are in a free fall, losing three straight to Vegas, Cincinnati, and Green Bay. They have not scored more than 17 points in either of these games. And now they're going up against the Broncos defense, which is one of the best in the league. The Broncos, on the other hand, as I mentioned, you've got Drew Locke at quarterback. And the Steelers' defense is one of the best in the league. This does not bode well for either team. This reminds me of the Kendall Hinton Broncos, where we're going to be lucky if they score 10 points. And then on the other hand, we're going to be lucky if the Steelers score 10 points because of how good the Denver defense is. I honestly can't even pick this game because it seems like both teams are going to try and lose it, and one team is going to get lucky to win. Yeah, honestly, I think the spread being even is right on the money. And the over-under of 39 and a half makes me want to cry. But I might even hit the under on that. Like, neither of these teams, teams can score. Neither of these teams can score. Neither of these teams can score. Having no Teddy Bridgewater definitely means that you can't score. You want to know what the drives looked like in the second half for Drew Locke? Punt, 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 and a pick on a long drive to try to make something at the very end of the game against the Ravens. He is, I, he better be game ready for this game. Otherwise, I think honestly, the Steelers might even, like, I would say like 55% chance. I'm not going to pick them. It was a 55% chance that the Steelers win this game just because they have some pieces. Najee Harris maybe has a good game. Maybe they get a pick or two because their defense is better than the Broncos, in my opinion. But like, I, I'm not going to go on a limb and say that one team is better than another in this game by any means. I mean, home field advantage, like who knows? Like, 
neither of these teams are good. Not having Teddy Bridgewater makes it very difficult. By the way, the Broncos, I know we had our segment of like the three and O teams that were real or not. I talked about the fact that that was a prove it game for them actually playing real competition for the first time, because in the first three games they won, they played the giants, the Jaguars and the jets. None of those are quality wins. You played Baltimore. You didn't even look that good in the first half. You were down by 10 points at halftime. When Teddy Bridgewater comes out of the game, it's clear that they can't beat good teams. It's a question of whether or not they can beat a bad team that is better than the three that they've already beaten. And I'm without Teddy Bridgewater, I think maybe no. Yeah, and I, honestly, this is one of those games where you're like, okay, maybe they could tie. They probably both deserve it because like both zero, are, zero, maybe. Yeah, both are so bad. Um, but we will see. I think the bet of the day, as bet of the day, as Josh told me in the chat just now. 39 and a half is the over under for this game. I don't know how these teams are getting to 10, let alone 39 and a half combined. Slam the under. I, I just I can't see both these teams combining for more than 20 points each. So uh, let's get to a more fun game between Josh and I. This is a monster game. Both teams are three and one. They have looked pretty good for the most part. Chargers coming off a big Monday night win against the Raiders and the Browns winning a dogfight against the Vikings, 14-7. to This is a monster game, as we've discussed. Chargers are hitting their strides really on the defensive end They against the Raiders. The offensive line looks great. They got Eckler in the running game. They look really good overall, but they haven't really faced a defense like the Browns. With a young offensive line, they're going to have their hands full all day on Sunday. They're playing another true road game at SoFi Stadium against the Browns fans, so that should be fun. And we will see. Is this Charger team different than the past? I don't know. Still up for interpretation, but I am praying they get this win. What do you guys have going into this game? I have the Chargers. And I have the Browns. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like I, Going into this podcast, I didn't even have to check with Adam, and I knew that yeah. I was going to pick the Chargers and he was going to pick the Browns. And let me tell you why the Browns are going to lose this game. Yes, you could argue that this team could be undefeated if Baker Mayfield mounts a good drive, doesn't throw that pick against Kansas City in week one, and we all know Kansas City's defense is susceptible. Sure. The Chargers' defense is actually kind of good. It's better than it usually is. They've got a good secondary. They've got Joey Bosa, who I'm afraid of as just being an Ohio State fan on the defensive line. Had some great beef with Derek Carr over the past few days that I've enjoyed a lot on Twitter. And Baker just like... I, we have a good offensive line, but Baker under pressure, Baker in general just can't make throws right now. Just missing guys left and right, throwing an interception or two. He has two touchdowns in four games, and he also has two picks in four games. And now this is coming out that he has a torn labrum from that game, which, okay, we should be relying on the run game anyways, and I challenge the Chargers to try to stop that, but – when you're losing in a game, which is what happens when you play a high-powered offense like the Chargers, you're going to have to throw the ball. And if Baker has to throw the ball more than 35 times in this game, we are going to lose. So it's really going to come down, in my opinion, to whether or not our defense can stop the Chargers' offense. And I think Justin Herbert's been playing well. I think it's, it's going to be a very close game. But I just know that in a game like this, my heart is just going to get absolutely shredded and Herbert's going to mount like a two-minute drill down by four, go down and score a touchdown with seconds left, and I'll just be crying. So I hope you enjoy it when it happens. 
I, I don't know how you can even say that to a Charger fan. That is the exact opposite of what's going to happen. The Browns are going to do that. Baker's going to somehow throw a lot pass up to Jarvis Landry or to Odell Jarvis Beckham. Landry's not even playing. Okay, he's not even playing. Odell Beckham, he's going to make a one-handed grab with like one second left. They're going to kick a game-winning 60-yard field goal. I don't know. Basement Laughlin can kick from distance. I will say that. We've already lost on a 56-yard field goal to the Cowboys this year. So... I just, I don't know. I want to hear from a neutral party and Mason. What What is your opinion going into this game? So I'm going to go more on the analytics side. Up until last week, the Chargers have really struggled to stop the run. And the Raiders have no line. Josh Jacobs is still kind of hurt. So it makes sense that he really doesn't do anything. But the first three weeks, this Chargers defense has really struggled on the ground. And that is what the Browns do. They run the ball. They dominate time of possession. And I think if this Browns team can run for at least 200 yards, they are going to win this game. If they control the time of possession by 10 minutes, if they beat the Chargers by 10 minutes in time of possession, they win this game. And that's what they've done the last three weeks. But... If the Chargers can slow down Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt early, then I think it could get ugly because this Chargers team is different. When in the past three or so years have we seen the Chargers win a game by more than one possession? They did that last week against the 3-0 Raiders, and that is a big deal for me. What's this coach's name? Staley? Yeah. Staley has the Chargers playing with a chip on their shoulder. This is not the Chargers team that I've been used to watching, but it all comes down to stopping the run. And honestly, I don't think they're going to be able to do that because Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are by far the best dual threat backfield in the entire league. I think Nick Chubb might even be the best running back in the league. Oh, my God. Derrick Henry. He is extremely talented, and this Browns offensive line is ridiculous. Baker Mayfield, in the ideal world for the Browns, is not going to have to throw the ball more than 20 times. And I think there's a very realistic chance that this happens. So I'm going to go ahead and pick the Browns. Look, I I think your take is right on the money. Like I said, if we run the ball a lot and the Chargers can't stop us, then of course we're going to win the game. But it's going to come down to our defense because we're not going to run the ball a ton if we're losing the entire game. And frankly, the only reason why we've won the last three weeks is we've gotten out to a small lead that we've extended with the running game and then continue to play good defense. Like, yeah, we've locked down the Houston def- Houston offense after Terod Taylor came out because he was absolute kryptonite, the Bears the entire game, and then the Vikings after their first drive. Like, yeah, the defense has been playing great. Is the offense of the Bears or Houston any good? Not really. But the offense of Minnesota was good, and I liked to see that. I do think that the Chargers probably have a better offense. Yes, but the defense doesn't need to be elite. They just need to be good because the Browns are going to dominate time of possession. So the Chargers just aren't going to have the chances to put up the points because the Browns are going to have the ball. All I ask is this, please, for the love of God, Kevin Stefanski, learn your lesson that going forward on fourth down and passing with Baker doesn't work. It doesn't work. Please take a book, take the book of Steve Sarkeesian, who goes forward on fourth down and actually draws up a half decent play, usually a run play with your running offense and your strong running backs 
and stop letting Baker get sacked on fourth downs. I, I get so angry every time. All I'm going to say is I like that the neutral party Mason is picking the Browns. Everyone keeps doubting the process. It's happening in L.A. I, I don't know. We'll see. But all I'm going to say is the Italian stallion, Viscaenu, uh, the kicker for the Chargers, I do not want to see him on the field for any t- amount of time on Sunday. He will miss field goals left and right. How about extra points? extra points? Yeah. He misses- you, you don't want any extra points? You just want to go no, listen, I, I, if he, he has to kick extra points, but – I do not want him attempting a field goal. That's why Staley this year has gone for the most fourth downs I've seen a Chargers team ever go for. You talk about the Browns going for fourth downs. We go for them left and right. So we will probably see that a lot this Sunday. It's going to be a monster game. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be close. One of our hearts are going to get broken, but that's just how it is. That's why we love the sport of football. Yeah, we move to the Sunday night game. Two monster teams going against each other. Two favorites in the AFC, the Bills and the Chiefs. A lot of points could be scored in this game. Last week, the Chiefs coming off a game where they put up 40-plus in Philadelphia, and they covered the spread to the betting community's delight. They haven't done that all year. They don't usually do that, but they did. The offense looked great. On the other side of the ball, the Bills ran all over the Houston Texans. They steamrolled them. The Texans looked horrible. They're just not a good football team. They dropped, I think, 40 points in a shutout in that game. Both these teams riding highs. This is a monster game for the AFC playoff race and possibly a number one seed overall in the AFC. Who do you guys like in this battle of top teams in the AFC? I think I've got a fun little prop bet for us here on Why Not Us. What do we think we're going to see more of? Punts? In the Broncos Steelers game or touchdowns in the Bills Chiefs game? Wow. That is an incredible prop on the spot by our host. Honestly, Mason. I have my pick. I have mine too. Punts. I'm going punts as well. I'm because, going touchdowns. We okay, look, look, look. From a math standpoint, I think yeah. this game ends up going like 38 to 31. That's nine touchdowns. I feel like one team could punt nine times in the Broncos game. I agree. I think both teams will combine for 15-plus punts. At least 12. Yeah. Okay, so there were 12 touchdowns in this game, that'd be crazy. Let's do the other way around. Do we think we're going to see more punts in this Bills-Chiefs game or touchdowns in the Broncos-Steelers game? That's harder. That is a (laughs) lot harder. I'm going to go punts again. I'm going to go two I'm punts. Going, I'm going touchdowns. I'm going to go two punts in the entire Bills Chiefs game and one touchdown between the Steelers <laughs> and the Broncos. Broncos win 17 7. We get two touchdowns and one punt in the Chiefs Bills game. I'm going to have to go with my good friend Adam here. There's going to be like maybe one or two punts in this Bills Chiefs game, and I'm going to say three touchdowns in the Broncos Steelers game. There are going to be so many points. The Chiefs cannot stop anything right now. And the Bills, all they've done in the last three weeks is score 40, 43, and 35. The only way the Chiefs are going to get the ball without the Bills scoring is if Josh Allen throws a pick or if the Bills fumble. I don't know how the Bills are going to punt in this game. Honestly, this offense is so dynamic. And the Chiefs are just horrible on defense. I don't know what is going on with them. Even in a game they won by 12 last week, they gave up 30 points. 
In their four games this year, they've given up 30, 30, 36, 29. And it should have been more than 29 had the Browns not blown that game. This team cannot stop anybody. The Bills, on the other hand, their defense has been electric. No points against Houston, 21 against Washington, whatever. Zero against Miami, 23 against Pittsburgh. They are playing extremely well. And the Kansas City offense has looked mortal. And I think that's the only reason the Chiefs are only a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. The Bills have been the better team through four weeks. And honestly, I think they might even be the better team. So I think the Bills are going to win this game because the Chiefs simply are not going to be able to stop them. Look, I agree with you. I think the Bills are going to win this game. But I don't think the Bills have a good defense. Like, they have beaten – the Miami Dolphins, the Washington football team, and the Houston Texans handedly after a bad loss in which Josh Allen had no offense against the Steelers. And honestly, in hindsight now, that's probably the second biggest surprise of week one, obviously behind Aaron Rodgers having a a lackluster outing against New Orleans. The Bills definitely have not faced adversity. And I think this game is going to come down to the wire. But I do agree with you. I think Buffalo goes to Kansas City, wins this game, but Vegas putting Kansas City as a favorite, they know that people think that Buffalo is a hot team right now and Kansas City's kind of shaky. Beware. Josh Allen has had a tough time in his time in his career against Kansas City, especially at Arrowhead. He just can't put it together. This would be a first win for him against the Chiefs since coming into the league, which obviously he's hungry for. And nobody would be surprised if these two teams played in the playoffs. But, I mean, Kansas City, obviously their defense needs a lot of help. It's been really, really bad against, in general, some pretty good offenses. I'm not going to go ahead and say that Philadelphia is a good team, but they definitely have a good offense. And I don't know. Like, the Ravens have a good offense. The Chargers have a good offense. The Browns have a good offense. These first five games for Kansas City have been very, very tough to be scheduled. And I'm not super shocked that they're 2-2. Two and two. Maybe they would have lost to the Browns and not the Chargers. But Buffalo will win this game in a nail-biter, and it will be very high scoring. Yeah, and I have to agree with both of you. I like Buffalo to win this game. This game, I was looking through it. I'm trying to remember the game that it reminded me of. It was a Sunday night game back in 2018 in late November. The Chiefs played the Rams in this yeah, game. Yeah, I was both thinking teams, about that too. Yeah, both teams were had one loss. They were, I think, 9-1 each respectively. Mahomes threw for six touchdowns. The Rams won this game by a score of 54-51, to 51, back and forth, no defense whatsoever. I have a – I don't know if it's going to be exactly like that, but the vibes are there. The, you know, the style of play that we've seen from both these teams and the defensive struggles, especially from the Chiefs, I think it's going to be a similar resemblance. We will see. That's what I'm hoping for as a football fan in general. But I agree with you guys. I think the Bills are going to get the better of the Chiefs, and it would be huge as a Charger fan to see the Chiefs lose another game. Also, in the these teams don't run the ball, so it's going to be pass after pass, quick possession after quick possession. They have two of the best quarterbacks the in the NFL. In the 60s. Yeah. Two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, I, mean, I love the over in this game. I, I don't know how you anyone could not bet the over, like the under in the Steelers game. Let's get to a fun segment, a new segment, I think, on the show. It's going to be called It's a Trap. And ah. new teams, 
Yeah, ah, be scared. You know, it's Halloween season. <laughs> spooky season. Yeah, it's spooky season. Welcome to October. We have a few teams that are playing some football games this weekend that probably should win the game. However, we have seen the NFL. I think there was a stat that I found 38 and 26 coming into the night. I know the Rams covered, so now it's 38 and 27. The underdogs have covered in the NFL so far this season. And so with that in mind, which teams do you guys have your eye on that could be in a trap game coming into Sunday? Olamide Zacchaeus. That's who I have my eye on because if he doesn't have a monster game for the Falcons without Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley in London, Calvin Ridley's like, ah, I have a personal matter. And obviously I'm not going to roast him for that, but not going to fly to the UK across the Atlantic. Well, he's the only offensive player that can do anything for the Falcons and the Jets are coming off of a win. Zach Wilson's like, hmm, maybe this league isn't so impossible after all. I like the Jets to win this game in London, give a great show to the men across the sea that we once seceded from. And you know what? It is yet another game where there are not two teams in London with winning records, but neither of these teams are anywhere close to good. And I will not be waking up 830 in the morning, likely hungover to watch this game. I honestly have the Jets in this game, too. And that was my bold prediction for the week. So we could get to that a little bit more later. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about the San Francisco 49ers against the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are at home. 4-0, the only undefeated team in the league, yet they're only five-point favorites against the 49ers, who are going to be starting Trey Lance. I just think this is a classic letdown spot for the Cardinals. Like, they went ahead and dismantled the Super Bowl contender Rams, and not to mention that this game is going to be right after the OU game, and Kyler Murray, I'm sure, is going to have his eyes on that. I just don't know. I've got a sneaky suspicion that in this divisional rivalry with the 49ers defense being pretty good, they Kyler might get a little shook. And I can see the 49ers winning this game. There's really no analytics that are telling me why, but just any given Sunday, right? I can see the 49ers winning. Yeah, and my uh, it's a trap game. Honestly, Mason, I'm going to talk about your team. I think the Chicago Bears could give a scare to the Las Vegas Raiders this weekend. We've seen this story before with the Raiders where they get off to a fast start with John Gruden-led teams, and then they kind of spiral a little bit after that. And maybe we are starting to see that spiral happen earlier than expected in week five. Fields looked Pretty good. I know it was against the Lions last week, but the Bears team is kind of hard to read. And because they're hard to read, why not pick them to win against the Raiders in Las Vegas on Sunday? I don't know. I kind of like that game as my trap game of the week because I was looking at some of these other games. I can't see the Bucs losing the Dolphins. I can't see the Patriots losing the Texans. And I can't really see the Vikings losing the Lions. I mean, the Vikings-Lions, I actually think, is the only good one of those three, but I'm not going to go into it. Just to quickly have a point on both of your games, Trey Lance, rookie of the year, calling it right now. He looked electric coming into that game against Seattle, almost brought them back. Seattle was like, whoa, this guy's got an arm. Yeah, he does. He also He's got legs. He is fast. He's fast. He also has the leading receiver right now, Debo Samuel, at his disposal and a healthy Trey Sermon for the time being. Who knows? See how much longer we have an undefeated team in the NFL. Arizona might lose that game, but it'll be tough. To Glick, here's what I'll say. Justin Fields, 
QB one. Everybody's going crazy in Chicago. Oh my goodness. Justin Fields. He's our savior. Okay. This is the moment where the Bears' hopes get crushed. I understand that this happens with the Raiders. I think they had their wake-up call game last week. The Chargers were a better team, and they proved it. But the Chargers did a good job, dealing, for the most part, dealing with the pressure from the Raiders' defensive line that has caused some problems. If Justin Fields feels any kind of pressure, he gets horrified. Comes in against Cincinnati. Oh, no, throws a pick. Very quickly, obviously against the Browns, lots of difficulty. You know what Detroit doesn't have? A defense by any means. The Raiders don't have a secondary, but they do have a defensive line. And Max Crosby is going to be in his face because the Bears don't have an offensive line. Oh, and they don't have David Montgomery, let me just add as well. So I'm not entirely sure how many bailouts the Bears get in this game. The only way they win this is if it's like 17 to 13, in my opinion. So I have the Raiders in Survivor. Wow, that is a interesting pick. We will see. I... I, I have a feeling that what you just said, that score, it's going to be around there. I think it's going to be a really low-scoring game. The Bears are going to hang in there. I'm not, I don't think they're going to win, but I do think it's going to be a close game. I do want to say before we get into everyone's favorite segment of the show where Mason talks about who to cash, who to stash in fantasy, the NFL marketing team and the planning team, very smart. They send the two worst teams, really, the Jets and the Falcons, all the way, not even in America. Send them all the way to London. Relegate them. Relegate them like the English English Premier League in, in soccer. And how about this? Because of the time change, oh, no, the game's at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. West Coast people. Who's waking up at 6.30 to watch the Jets Falcons? I know it was not me when I was in high school. 7.30 in the mountain time in the Rocky Mountains, not happening. 8.30 in here in Austin, Texas, we're not waking up for it. We're college students. We drank last night. And then on the East Coast, you're watching Good Morning America on Sunday. So I don't know how anyone is going to watch this game unless you are a Jets and Falcons fan. But credit to the NFL, they know where it's at, and that's why this game is happening in London. I don't know if these teams might even come back from London. They just might keep them there. (laughs) Yeah, and that's why they always send the Jags. And if only it was Jets-Jags this week, but they had to reserve that for Thursday night football, the second worst place to be more often than not, because the number one and number two overall picks. Can't send that to London. That's too good of a game. The Jets play the Jags. When when does this masterful game happen? Uh... In the back end of the season. Wow. Cannot wait for that game to a horrible game. <laughs> Make your picks now. Yeah. Two horrible quarterbacks. I'm going to say that. <laughs> Let's get to a fun segment. Mason, this is all you. Cash or stash? Who do you like this week in fantasy? Okay. We're just going to go ahead and get started with quarterback. And a guy who many thought was horrible, but actually might actually be kind of good. Daniel Jones at 6,000 in DraftKings. He's averaging pretty much 25 fantasy points per game, and they're going up against the Dallas Cowboys, who have been 31st against quarterbacks this season. Every game so far, Daniel Jones has had at least 27 rushing yards, and he seems to be getting into a bit of a rhythm with this offense. Kenny Galladay was a beast last week for him, and Saquon has waken up as a receiver out of the backfield. And also, since this game is in Dallas, there is potential for some garbage time points. And Daniel Jones flourishes in garbage time. So 6,000 is a bargain. On to the stash. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Justin Herbert at 6,800. We stashed him earlier in the year, and it worked out very well. So we're going to ride with it again. 
Here's the stat that I mentioned earlier. I'm going to bring it back up. The past three games the Browns have played, they have won the time of possession battle by at least 10 minutes. They held Kirk Cousins and this dynamic Minnesota offense to only seven points the Browns did. And I would say Minnesota and the Chargers, their offenses are kind of structured the same way. You've got two elite receivers, an elite running back, and a top 10-ish quarterback. But the fact of the matter is, Justin Herbert, he's just not going to have the time of possession that's going to make him worthy of 6,800. He may have an efficient game, but efficiency is not necessarily what you're looking for in fantasy. You're looking for opportunity. And I don't think that's going to be here for this week for Justin Herbert. On to running back. Fool me once. Shame on me. He's not going to do it again. DeAndre Swift, 6,100. I just don't think what happened last week is going to happen again. Dan Campbell said you're going to see a lot more Swift for a reason. You really didn't see that last week, but I just don't see that happening again this week. There's going to be garbage time opportunity for Swift here against Minnesota, and that's where Swift has really capitalized over the first couple of weeks. And even with last week's dud at eight points, that's his floor. And I don't think he's going to go lower than that. He still had over four catches in every single game. And he's going to have a lot more success on the ground against Minnesota's run defense versus Chicago's, which has actually been very good. On to the stash, we're going to move to Antonio Gibson at 6,400. He's a little bit shaken up. He's been limited in practice this week. And then you've got J.C. McKissick, who's been vulturing receptions from him out of the backfield. And then back to this fun stat with New Orleans that I mentioned last week. Up until last week, they haven't allowed an RB1 to have more than three yards per carry until Saquon had four yards per carry last week, and that was only for 52 yards. And Saquon, he had a productive week because he torched the Saints through the air. And when the teams are going to be throwing to their running backs through the air, for Washington, this means J.C. McKissick. This does not mean Antonio Gibson. He's going to struggle on the ground, and he's not going to be getting his fair share of targets through the air. So I would be benching Antonio Gibson in fantasy this week, and especially not playing him in draftings where he's 6,400. On to wide receiver. We're going to go with a theme of mid-2010 superstars and catch Antonio Brown. We are likely not going to see Gronk again in this game, so that means Brady has three targets. Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, and Chris Godwin. We know Mike Evans is going to be shadowed by Xavier Howard, who is at least a top five corner in this league. So that means that A.B. and Chris Godwin are going to have to be involved. Brown had 11 targets last week. We know the Bucs have no running game. So I would expect to see a lot of Antonio Brown this week, and especially being such a deep threat. If he's seeing volume and only makes a couple big catches, you're going to get the value that you need from Antonio Brown and then some at 5,200 in DraftKings. On to stash. We're going to go back to this Chargers-Browns game, and we're going to stash Odell Beckham at 6,000. The Chargers this season have been second against opposing wide receivers in fantasy. Let's go week by week. Terry McLaurin, the wide receiver, won for Washington. Four receptions for 62 yards on only four targets, by the way. Amari Cooper for Dallas. Three catches for 24 yards. 
Tyreek Hill for Kansas City, five catches for 56 yards. Henry Ruggs for Vegas, three catches for 60 yards. Odell is just, he's not going to be able to do anything against the secondary. And we mentioned that Baker Mayfield, he's a little shaken up. He's not going to want to throw the ball. We're going to see a lot of running. And then we didn't mention this in the Chargers-Browns recap, but fun little statistic about Baker Mayfield on Texas OU weekend. Every game that Baker Mayfield has been in after this Texas OU game, he has thrown at least two interceptions. So Baker Mayfield might be a little bit distracted. He's a little shaken up. I don't see Odell producing, especially not at the salary. On the tight end, we are going to cash Mike Gesicki at 4,200. In the two games that Gesicki has had with Jacoby Brissett at the helm, he has had 15 receptions, 143 yards, and a touchdown. You know that you're not going to be able to run the ball on Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay also happens to be 29th against tight ends, and Will Fuller, the fifth, is going to be out this game. So this is a rare thing to say with Mike Kosicki throughout his career, but this aim, I would say he's got a very high floor. He's going to see the targets. He's going to see the catches. So I would imagine that you're going to get value at 4,200. We did it with DeAndre Swift, and we're going to stash Dallas Goddard for a second straight time this week at 5,100. His salary went up for some reason. I don't understand. Yes, he had a good game last week, five catches, for 60 or so yards and a touchdown. But that was only on five targets. And you know what five targets is for Dallas Goddard? That would be a new season high. Odds are that's not going to happen again. Carolina is a much better defense than Kansas City. So that means that Jalen Hurts isn't going to be able to fling it all over the field. This is likely to be a much closer game, so we're really not going to see garbage time. And Zach Ertz is still there eroding Goddard's target share. Zach Ertz has 15 targets in his last two weeks. He is stealing these targets from Goddard. So if he's not going to get this guaranteed volume, there's no reason to pay over 5000 of your valuable DraftKings dollars for a guy who might not even be the number one tight end on his own team. I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. If Ertz is there... You should not be playing Goddard. If Ertz is gone, you set it and forget it. But for now, they're just eroding each other's value. That is the week five edition of Cash or Stash. And hopefully, we can make you some money this week. We've been trending upwards throughout the season. Yes, and hopefully that trend will continue to go up, especially in the running back position where I really need DeAndre Swift to have a big week. So, Mason, I'm counting on you to get the job done this Sunday. So we will see how he does in the cash or stash portion. Let's head, before we end the show, to our bold predictions for this Sunday. I'll start with Mason on this one. So... Josh took my pick of the Jets. So I am going to have to call an audible, and I'm going to go with the San Francisco 49ers going on the road and upsetting Arizona. I don't know that their heads are fully going to be in this game after riding off the high of last week. The 49ers have a dominant defense, and I think Trey Lance could have success against the lackluster Cardinals defense. So I think this game is going to be a lot closer than most people think. And I'm going to pick the 49ers to pull it out. All right. 
not going to go with the Jets as my, you know, surprise pick here. Because I think that really making a pick for a big take, you need to have at least a five-point underdog against you. It's only two and a half for Atlanta right now. I am going to stick in New York, though. And I am not going to – I'm going to be non-committal, which might anger some of our listeners, but tough. I am going to say that the New York Giants, the same city as the New York Jets, are going to hang around and make things mighty interesting in Dallas. They looked good last week on offense. Saquon broke off a 52-yard touchdown. Daniel Jones has been slinging. The Cowboys defense is better this year for sure, but by no means is it good. They're definitely vulnerable, and they're riding high with their entire fan base right now after stringing together a few good wins. I know that we have some out there that would be thrilled to see the Giants give the Cowboys a scare, and I truly think that that is what's going to happen on Sunday. I think it's going to come down to a field goal, which obviously as – you know, our good friend Adam Glick knows if Greg Zerline is called the task, he'll take care of business. But maybe the Giants have an opportunity of their own. And make, I think this game will be close. I'm one and one with my hot takes after uh, picking the Jags to beat Arizona in week three. So we'll see how this one goes. Yeah, so for me, it's hard for to find a five-point underdog or more spread to win outright. For this week, I'm going to stick with my opinion earlier. I'm going to stick with the Bears of Chicago going into Las Vegas and possibly winning this game. And I really think it's going to be a close game throughout. We will see. I think Fields is able to get enough time in the pocket and make some big plays, especially with his feet. And the Raiders' uh, offense, I'm not huge on right now. Derek Carr under a lot of pressure in that Monday night game against the Chargers. I think that's the recipe for success on the defensive side for the Chicago Bears. But my other last little fun tidbit slash bold prediction will be Trevor Lawrence, LASIK Jameis and Zach Wilson will have more combined interceptions than the Pittsburgh Steelers will have points on Sunday. So keep that in mind. If you are listening to this podcast, I really think the three quarterbacks will throw for eight or more combined interceptions and the Steelers will have seven or less points against that really good Denver Bronco defense. I know it is way out of left field and I am throwing from the backstop, but I think there is a chance for this to happen. So that will, that's where my eyes will be on Sunday, other than obviously the chargers and Browns game. I just want to thank Mason gross, Josh Spate for incredible content. As always another great segment from Mason in the fantasy portion we have a great week ahead. Our teams are playing. We're going to Texas OU, Mason and I. Josh will be there in spirit with us. It's a lot of great football coming into this weekend. Any final thoughts from the two of you before we go? Geno Smith, if you're one of our five listeners, please hit us up. We would love to interview you on our next podcast. Oh, my Lord. Um, I, I think your, your pick with the picks is great. I'm going to add Justin Fields. And then things will actually be interesting. Because if you go from eight with the three of them and you add Justin Fields, you might be at 13. That that would be correct math, which I'm not great at. But that's going to do it for us here on the Why Not Us podcast, NFL version. Enjoy week five of your NFL Sunday and Monday Night Football. We will be back with a recap, of course, on Monday night. For myself, Adam Glick, for Mason Gross, for Josh Spade, we will see you next time. Enjoy the football this weekend.